Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast. I'm Conor Dolson, founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind. My guest today is Cecilia Hatch, space designer and founder of Umbilical Design. Cecilia is the author of the book Space and All It Can Teach Us and the program manager for Space Week at the Swedish Pavilion in the World Exhibition Expo 2020 Dubai. This conversation is part of Changemakers, a series of podcasts, panel talks and live interviews produced in collaboration with the Swedish participation at Expo 2020 Dubai. In this conversation, Cecilia talks about how space technologies can help advance sustainability and healthy living here on Earth, how she became a space designer after visiting NASA as a young student, and what's in store for Space Week in Dubai, including Swedish astronaut Christer Fuglsang and a surprise visit by the Mars rover. I'd like to thank the Helio co-working space for hosting us in their podcast studio. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to stay updated on the latest news and learn about upcoming talks and events. Visit scandinavianmind.com newsletter. Here now, my conversation with Cecilia Hatch. Enjoy. All right, I am here with Cecilia Hatch, space designer and founder at Umbilical Design, author of the book Space and All It Can Teach Us, and the program manager for Space Week at the Swedish Pavilion at the World Exhibition Expo 2020 in Dubai. Cecilia, welcome. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me here, Conrad. So happy. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited about this. We're going to talk about space for uh, the next 45 minutes or so. And uh, we also both are collaborating on the upcoming Space Week in Dubai. So this is a kind of a pre-talk of sorts to what's going to happen down there. Um, but I'd like to start with uh, your title. You call yourself a space designer. What do you mean by that? It actually comes from way back when I first came to NASA Houston Johnson Space Center as a student of industrial design from Lund Institute of Technology. So that's where all began, 1999, <laughs> ages ago. <laughs> uh, so that inspired me to really continue in this uh, fascinating area of the space sector and working with the astronauts among, of course, uh, Christa Fuglesang, our Swedish astronaut, training at Houston back at that time. Right. So again, the title, Space Designer, how, how did that evolve? This, this first impression, how did it evolve to a, a, an actual profession? It actually, as being industrial designer, we did uh, projects for outer space and in space architecture, uh, such as how can we facilitate the everyday life for the astronauts at the International Space Station. And more specifically, we did our diploma work about interior design for a crew return vehicle that was planned as kind of a space ambulance for the International Space Station. Mm. And all this background inspired me to continue working in the space sector with concepts for habitation on moon and Mars, um, and that also led to starting Umbilical Design 2001, um, continuing in the space architect uh, career. Now it looks uh, a bit differently, but I always will have a, a foot <laughs> in the space architecture business. 
Wonderful. And, you know, a lot of the themes of, of, of what we're going to talk about done in Dubai and also your book uh, that came out the other, uh, other year is about how, you know, technologies of space and uh, innovations in space can help us, you know, mm-hmm. down on Earth. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? What, what's the intro to, to, to that type of thinking? Actually, after working a couple of years in the space architect uh, arena, I heard most people saying, but Cecilia, what about our planet? What couldn't we do here? And then it triggered me to start thinking about all these exciting space technologies originally developed for use in outer space, on the space station, on satellites, etc. What can we actually do by bringing this knowledge back to Earth? and see how can that create new innovations and mostly, of course, looking into how can it contribute to sustainable development. Mm, mm. And give some examples of that. What comes to mind? What are some of the innovations that we are actually using here down on Earth? Actually, it's so much in our everyday life that people doesn't think think about in, in their, I mean, every Monday they wake up, what happens? <laughs> if, if we haven't had the satellites, for example... We would have no idea about weather and also the satellites can give us a lot of information about different, uh, unfortunate, the catastrophes we see around our our um, our planet, uh, about climate disasters and so on. So there is so much uh, support we get from space sector every day without knowing it. So that's why I think it's so important to see and more visualize all the lessons learned, the technologies coming from space that mm. actually contributes to to us here on planet earth mm. i mean for many people people know that you know space travel space fare very highly you know uh, it, it takes a lot of energy to get out into space uh, and energy you know energy consumption puts harm on the planet is is there a, a contradiction here in terms of uh, the 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 sustainable impact of space travel versus the innovations that we get what do you say to someone who comes with that argument I mean, we we hear all these kinds of arguments and ideas, but I think what we should never forget is that if we could accelerate the actual uh, qualities from space sector mm. in a wider extent, which we aim to do and also aim to uh, show and discover during the Space Week at Expo 2020 in Dubai, um, we need to see the full picture, what space exploration can bring us. It's also about inspiration and for the young generation also to see. And I think we all want to know more about other planets and, and what's actually how we can uh, survive on Mars, etc. Mm. So I think there are so much... Uh, combining both the space exploration and the actual uh, technologies that we can create benefit for planet Earth. Mm. So what other examples are there when it comes to how space technologies can help advance the work with sustainability here? It's a lot of, I mean, both uh, when it comes to, just to give a few examples mm. from, from the work I've been doing over sure. the almost 15, 15 years now in the space technology transfer area, where we have been mainly active with the European Space Agency and my company being a national represent for European Space Agency when it comes to see how can we use space technologies into new uh, products and, and, and systems. And we have been exploring a lot. <laughs> People have been saying, 
saying, Cecilia, you're like everywhere in all industries. And that's why we wanted to explore, can we contribute with input and insights, no matter what industry? And now after 15 years, we can say easily yes to that. So we have been exploring everything from... uh, Uh, extreme sailing suits uh, to uh, helmets uh, for the alpine sector to forest industry. How can space technology support forest industry, which is one of the major exports uh, for Sweden? Mm. So, and and quite a, a few years ago, I learned also that the the construction sector consumes forty percent of all energy consumption in Europe. Right. And that, of course, triggered me to to start looking into how can we support the construction sector. And we have been working with uh, this uh, sector quite a lot to see what can we do. And it's everything from integrating space technologies into paint and plaster and by that reducing energy consumptions for buildings. And we also have been working quite a lot with NASA in this example as they have a building uh, in Uh, outside of San Francisco at the NASA Ames Center, which they call Sustainability Base, where they have integrated several space technologies. For example, when it comes to water consumption, it reduces water consumption um, with 90% if you compare it to traditional building. Mm. So when it starts to um, be better with like 70, 80, 90%, then we realize that we really need to accelerate the way how we can integrate space technologies in all different sectors here on Earth. Well, that's a huge impact, 80-90%. I, I would imagine that, that you know, space technologies is a, a lot in this field, effectiveness, trying to do more with you know, less, less space, less resources, less energy, because, you know, to put people, you know, in orbit... You want to you want it to be as effective as possible, right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And I normally refer to that as I did in in, in writing my book to mm. astronaut lifestyle, because the astronauts consumes exactly the amount of water, energy, volume, and food they need. Mm. So we have a lot to learn from the astronauts, and and in a in a more optimistic way of the future. So. To give one more example, when it comes to water consumption, the astronauts at the International Space Station consumes 26 liters of water per person and day. And in Sweden, we consume 160 liters per per person and day. So it really gives us the vision about what is possible. And this is also what I really love with the space sector, the everything is possible mentality, which was Mm. really inspiring from the very beginning when I came as a student to NASA. Well, speaking about astronaut lifestyle, uh, I think there's also something to be said about, you know, well-being is something we've talked a lot about, Mm. how, you know, space technologies and and, uh, the situation for for astronauts can help us uh, here on Earth. Do you have any examples of this? I think the food um, food consumption is very interesting, and we have been look, looking into this uh, several times. And uh, as I mentioned, the astronaut uh, consumes uh, uh, exactly the amount of food they need, and and by that there is no waste. Mm. Um, and they also, I mean, it's it's composing the menus 
after the nutrition they actually need. So it's a, it's very much about well-being when it comes to uh, food. And I think this is something we could really implement in a, in a wider scale hmm. back on Earth. And also the idea of uh, waste. It's not existing in, in the space station and in the future space habitation because we see everything as resources. So when... For a couple of years ago, when people started to talk more about circular economy, it became so uh, strange for me in some way because I thought that is what we have been doing all the time in in the, in the outer space it's, and for there, space there's architecture. There's no other way to do it, right? It, it, it all no, exists there, right? Exactly. <laughs> so it becomes so. And, and many people ask Cecilia, "What is the? Uh, what is it? I mean, how can you combine space and sustainability? But if you look at the future habitation concept for Mars, for example, I mean, it's become so obvious that it's a closed system and we need to grow our own food and everything needs to be very carefully designed. And this is the kind of processes and structures and circularity that we really would need to see happen here on Earth. Mm. I was, I was always curious about you as a designer in your role uh, when you speak to other fellow designers who perhaps are not working in the in the space field. Um, what is it that you teach them or uh, insights that you share? Is, is there another type of um, uh, uh, way you're working uh, just when, when having this sort of space mentality as a designer? Very interesting uh, question there because it it all became so different for me when I... Uh, got the fantastic opportunity to try weightlessness uh, flights mm. in a parabolic flight. Wow. Uh, because one thing when we came to NASA, Houston first time, one of the space architects told us that, well, you can't design for zero gravity if you haven't experienced zero gravity. And we as students were like, oh, we need to try this. <laughs> and uh, we were lucky to, to win um, as one of 30 student teams uh, ESA parabolic flight campaign. So we actually could fly a section of um, uh, our crew return vehicle with the seats in a parabolic flight uh, and try out the prototype. And by experience, it, I, I have to agree with, with the space architect, of course, from NASA, that it becomes... So kind of both real and unreal experience the weightlessness and then you really understand the astronaut, the feeling of that they have floating around and how actually the volumes becomes bigger. So you have to think in different ways. Mm. So I talk about weightless thinking and also about volume management uh, in dialogue with, with other designers when discussing this. And what's so interesting is that interesting is that Working with the weightless environments, you have to rethink totally what is a product. And that becomes so inspiring to share this view, kind of integrating the zero gravity factor in the design process. Mm. So that's what's really is um, exciting to share with other designers in innovation teams uh, where we normally work with big companies, uh, no matter if it's a construction sector or if it's a cars or if it's a steel industry where we have been working a lot uh, together with them, of course. Uh, so, so this is a kind of dialogue. And, and by adding the space perspective, we can take innovation further. So that's what I want to do even more in, in the future. 
So let go boundaries of, of sorts, in a way. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Mars before, and we're going to get to that because mm-hmm. there's a lot of discussion around, uh, you know, you know, humans becoming a spacefaring uh, civilization, yeah. and there's a lot happening on an international stage. But what I think, you know, most people, or perhaps a lot of people, are not aware of is the initiatives that actually come from Sweden. We actually do have, as you mentioned, a space agency. How would you describe Sweden as a as a space country uh, on the global stage? Mm. Actually, we should be really proud over the Swedish space sector. So going back again to mm. my uh, starting point uh, as a student coming to NASA... And then I was so inspired that I wanted to start my own company. I also got the question if I wanted to work for NASA or some of the contractors. But I I really thought, why not go to Sweden? Because Sweden has such a strong reputation when it comes to uh, space sector, the Swedish space sector and design. So for me, it became so obvious I should go back to Sweden and start my space design company, Umbilical Design. 2001 was the year because of these qualities we have in Sweden. And it's, of course, still the same strong space nation as not many people are aware of. So I think we just need to be better on communicating this. And this is also something when we look more into the space and how space can contribute to sustainable development is also, I mean, Sweden has this strong reputation of sustainable um, action. So this is really why I want to lift these two areas of space and sustainability during Space Week uh, at Expo 2020 in the Swedish Pavilion in Dubai. Mm. And would you say the the Swedish space sector is uh, is stronger than other Nordic or European nations? Where are we in the sort of uh, space hierarchy globally? Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> I of course like always to to brag about Sweden and Swedish space sector, but you always have to be Careful. I think uh, I I would actually put it this way. Um, What really is strong working in the space sector is a Mm. global cooperation. Right. And this is also what we see when we are thinking of uh, going, I mean, forward to to moon, establishing uh, moon habitation and, and then go beyond and go to Mars. It's all about global cooperation. We can't do it on our own and it's all kind of a system and everyone is really engaged. And this is also something I would like to see how can not only space technologies inspire us Mm. uh, for new innovations, for sustainable development. We have so much more beside the technologies. We have the space perspective. we, We have this mindset. We have all how how they combine these inter- interdisciplinary international teams. So it's all about the leadership and the bold decisions and also the, um, how can I put it, to explore the unknown in a wider extent. This bold thinking, we need to also get to our planet to really find the the solutions for Agenda 2030 in time. Right, right. No, that's an interesting point. I mean, looking at, you know, on the global stage right now, we've seen some of the most, uh, uh, you know, prof- pro- <laughs> profiled and, and famous uh, billionaires, uh, Jeff Bezos, 
for instance, moving into space. Uh, obviously, we have Elon Musk, who kind of, to me, plays mm-hmm. in a different league with SpaceX. He mm-hmm. actually built one of the most, yeah. you know, important uh, space cargo companies, uh, you know, ever existed. Um, do you feel like we're in a golden era of space right now? Uh, it's I say it's such an exciting time to uh, live in, and, and uh, it's only to stay alive that we need to do to to follow this. And I can only see that it's uh, it, it, it's so many things will happen, mm. and it will go much faster than we can even think of. So that will be super exciting the coming ten years, uh, where my focus, of course, will be on seeing how we can make sure that all these efforts made for space exploration is actually brought back to planet Earth to achieve Agenda 2030. Right. Do you think it's good to have these sort of private initiatives uh, like Bezos and, you know, Virgin Galactic and and all these uh, companies moving into space or should it be like uh, more like something that the nations and, and countries should be doing? It is always about cooperation, and many people maybe don't see that, but it's a, it's a cooperation between all players mm. that will actually make all this happen, both when it comes to the space exploration, but also when it comes to all this exciting, you know, the space startups uh, and all the investments that now is taking place to support the space startup companies. We will have... I mean, it, it's so amazing what we start to see now. So I will be happy, of course, also to share these uh, views and, and new examples in, in, in Dubai, in the Swedish pavilion. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, it's, but, so the private sector is very important for the space Indeed. industry. Yeah. yeah right, yeah. right. Um, you know, Elon Musk talks about we should become, uh, uh, you know, populate Mars by the end of this century. Do you think we'll get there? Yes. What speaks to that? You know, it's a man that's really close to creating uh, these big visions, right? It's, they're not always uh, rooted in re- reality. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's the vision that actually sets the scene, not only for him, but for all players around the, the globe. Mm. So um, l- let's see what happens. And I think it will be super expi- inspiring to be in Dubai now, uh, during the space week and also learn and see from the other pavilions. We will have a lot of international meetings uh, and uh, I really look forward to, to see and learn what's happening around the globe. It, it for sure will be exciting time, both in Dubai and what's coming up. <laughs> right, let's talk about Dubai. And this conversation is aired, uh, you know, the week before we both go, go down there to, to uh, host talks and uh, other activities during the, the yeah. space week. Um, first of all, what, what is the space week for anyone who, who doesn't know? To set the scene about the Space Week, we actually have 192 countries participating, which is amazing. So we have all these pavilions, Mm. all these countries and all the spacefaring nations that will have the, the theme of the Space Week taking place October 17 to 23rd. Right. And we have an amazing Swedish pavilion, which will be fantastic to host the Space Week as program manager, uh, working with all these excellent people, among them you, of course, Conrad, with Scandinavian Mind. We have exciting uh, programs going on full week. Mm. 
And uh, the the purpose of having a space week, obviously, space week is one of uh, I think the the ten or twelve big major themes yeah. for the world exhibition. So, looking at this the Swedish pavilion, uh, what, what's going to ha- give an overview of what's going to happen mm. uh, during space week in the Swedish pavilion? Yeah. It it's so exciting because after so much work, uh, finally we will be there <laughs> together <laughs> yeah. for the grand opening. Uh, and uh, talk about space. We will have our Swedish astronaut, Christy Fuglesang, joining us for the full week and doing a lot of talks and meeting exciting people. We have a, an excellent program. We have an open invitation to the Space Week in the Swedish Pavilion all week. So mm. please welcome uh, if you are around and uh, talk to Conrad or me for specific uh, special invitations, <laughs> of course. Um the program will range from, I mean, the the main activities will be about space and sustainability. And then we will, of course, address different topics. Mm. For example, besides the grand opening, we will do the Space for Wildlife together with Peace Park Foundation, uh, where you, Conrad, will be, uh, will be the excellent uh, moderator. Well, hopefully. But let's talk about that. I think <laughs> yeah. that's a very exciting example of how you can connect space technologies with something very concrete that's happening in our nature mm. down on yeah. Earth. So, and I know you've been ta- working with this project for a long time and uh, not necessarily for the money of it, but because it's something that's close to heart, right? Yeah, yeah, indeed. And actually... Two years ago, when I understood it was 55 elephants killed per day. Mm. And I thought, I really need to do something. So that was when I came into contact with Peace Park Foundation and their fantastic work uh, on saving. And and, I mean, how, how can we stop poaching? And they address so many things, both in Africa, but also in Asia, when it comes to educating uh, people. So... After working with this now almost two two years in, in pro bono activities, uh, we are now happy to launch the project Space for Wildlife. So the idea is to see how can the space sector contribute in a wider extent to really support uh, and, and, and stop uh, poaching. And by doing this, we will address... Um, things like it's equipment for the rangers. Uh, it could be everything from cameras. We will, of course, uh, it's example with satellites that actually can track elephants. Uh, so it's a lot of things going on now with a new technology that can actually support the rangers that's trying to stop uh, the poaching. And with this project, we will address not not one, but I think it's about seven of the Agenda 2030 goals. So this is also a very important work that will have good, uh, how can I say, good results on on many different areas. So I'm really proud of of doing this and launching it. And we will do this as a five-year innovation project. Right, so if essentially satellites will help monitor uh, the population mm. o- on Earth. That's 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 a big part of it. Right? Yes, that's that's one part of it. But then we will, you know, it's so much equipments and and uh, that that the rangers need. It's mm. it's very vast areas. I've learned a lot uh, now from Peace Park Foundation. So it's areas in uh, in ten different countries, uh, in in the south of Africa. Uh, and it's like geographically, it's like two uh, Sweden mm. when it comes to uh, land, the, right. the area. Yeah, that's a lot of ground to yeah. to, to cover for yes. sure. Yeah. Um, 
So what else will happen at Expo 2020? I know there are some some concrete things. We're going to actually going to have a Mars rover at at place. <laughs> Tell us. I'm actually I'm, one of the things I'm most excited about is seeing the actual Mars rover. Yes, it's on loan, right? Yes, that's true. Actually, I got it on loan one time before. It's from uh, the space company Ruag, and we got it to Stockholm that time, and it was amazing. I had 170 kids that that really test uh, test the Mars rover and dry. My, you can drive it with a with an iPad and it was amazing to see all these kids experiencing this so uh, as I really you need always to ask <laughs> you can only have a yes or no so it's it's very easy so I, I the question to Ruag this time was could you actually imagine to <laughs> to send the Mars rover to Dubai to the Swedish pavilion and we got a fantastic yes so we will have students from Chalmers that will actually be there and supporting and doing the events with the Mars rover so we will have people in the pavilion that can try the Mars rover so this will be really an adventure in itself and we will have Christa Fuglesang there also supporting uh, in this experience mm. we will also have uh, exciting with a virtual reality experience which we call travel to Mars in two minutes that is something in itself. And that also, I tried it together with Christa Fuglesang and also my kids, actually. And it was super exciting to do that. So I'm happy to take also this experience to the to the Swedish pavilion. And we have, of course, many more activities that will take, take place um, in the pavilion. We will also have, talking about space for wildlife, we will have uh, uh, rhinos, uh, small uh, wooden rhinos, uh, that uh, kids will do workshops with just to learn and understand more about uh, how we can stop poaching with with the space technology. So it's it's also about educational. So it's a it's a combination the space week, both educational mm. and and of course it's just for fun activities. Well, I think <coughs> space is one of those uh, you know sectors that is it's it, to me it's like it's it's so intrinsically tied to childhood in a way because yeah. you know we all dreamt about this you know space uh, when we were kids. Uh, and and I think uh, going back to Elon Musk, I think he's, he's talked about the importance of designing cool suits as a way to inspire young kids, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. To because obviously, if you're going to go to Mars at the end of the century, he's not going to be around. It's the next next few generations. Well, some people say that the first people that will live until they are 200 years old are already born. Sure. So let's see. Yeah. <laughs> Who's um, around? <laughs> So obviously, Krista Fuglesang is our own mm-hmm. Swedish uh, astronaut, and I know you've known each other for for a long time. Um, what role does he play in the activities in Expo, and what kind of you know inspiring uh, role can he play for for the people visiting? I think the astronauts, uh, and specifically, of course, <laughs> Swedish astronaut Krista Fuglesang, has a very strong role in, in uh, as you mentioned, the mm. inspirational, uh, and of course, he he has a lot, a lot of built-up knowledge in the area, uh, and and I'm I'm especially spe- uh, happy for his contribution over the whole week, uh, which range from high-level events uh, where he will talk about. Uh, I mean, fantastic uh, research projects which he uh, is actively working with, and many of them are actually also to see how we can contribute for with sustainable development uh, for our planet. So he is very much into this specific area. So uh, he will be, 
you know, everything from driving the Mars rover and and uh, reading from his uh, book uh, for children uh, on the on the co-creation stage uh, to speaking for ministers. So uh, I think we will. <laughs> he and he and I will be very busy the coming week. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. So going back to your own story, I mean, you go. You mentioned this this uh, meeting with NASA when you, when you are a student. Uh, but did you did you dream about space when you were a kid, uh, or did that come later? Actually, that that came when I when I entered the NASA for the first time. Mm. I I thought I was going as an industrial designer. I thought I was going to work with design management and working uh, in board meetings to get a better understanding what what we should contribute to our planet with innovations and how we could uh, actually mo- make the most out of new products and concepts. So mm. that was my initial idea and thought. But when entering NASA in Houston, I-, I was so thrilled about meeting all these brilliant people and all this coming from all over the world with this huge passion for what they were doing and also this everything is possible mentality, working with these extremely complex projects and having no doubt about that it will work. Mm. So for me, it was so inspiring that I thought I need to continue in this area. So now it's actually 20 years ago since I started my company exactly. Yeah, there's an anniversary. Yeah. So, given the chance, would you go to space yourself or? Uh... Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was so fantastic just to explore this. It's 30 seconds of weightlessness in the parabolic flight plane, but we repeated it uh, 30 times. So I at least have 15 minutes of weightlessness, and that convinced me totally that I, I would like to fly any time. <laughs> Wonderful. So we'll see if we'll make it to 200 years and uh, uh, Mars then. Uh, But we'll start by traveling down to Dubai together to do some activities there and we'll revisit the conversations uh, uh, that we'll have down there in this format, in this podcast feed. So stay tuned for that. Cecilia Hatch, space designer and founder of Umbilical Design. Thank you so much for speaking to me. Thanks a lot for having me, Conrad. It's a pleasure. You've been listening to the Scandinavian Mind podcast with me, Conrad Olsen. This show was edited by Eric Sedin. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your preferred podcast app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. To get the latest news, insights and invites to upcoming events, sign up to our newsletter. Just go to ScandinavianMind.com to become part of our movement.